Hi, my name is Santito. This is Crypto Kid Podcast. I'm going to be talking to you guys about blockchain technology and cryptocurrency. Welcome to Crypto Kid Podcast. Today I have a special guest, Ruan, and he was featured on Forbes, I believe. And we're going to be talking about Wright and the court case that he's been going through with Bitcoin and a bunch of other stuff. Super excited to have him on. So why don't you give us a little quick introduction and how you got into the Bitcoin space? Uh, thanks for having me. So, yeah, I, I I was paying attention to Bitcoin from the very beginning. Um, I did cryptography when uh, when I was in university, and uh, basically, I've been interested in cryptography and in the whole idea of cryptographic money even before Bitcoin came along. So, uh, when when the white paper appeared and when uh, when the Bitcoin community formed, I was watching from the very beginning, and I was interested from the beginning, and uh, I've been paying attention all along. And uh, you know, I was there when Satoshi was posting, and uh, then he disappeared, and uh, now we have uh, all of this uh, Craig Wright stuff that's happening at the moment. So uh, yeah, I've been I've been paying attention, and it's uh, very interesting to me. And I've been investing in Bitcoin too, so I've got skin in the game. It kind of matters to me what happens. Amazing, amazing. And so I have a few questions about um, Wright and the court cases that he's going through. What is Wright seeking in this case that he's going through with Bitcoin? Right. So uh, what what he claims is that somebody hacked into his computer and uh, deleted a file that contained uh, a private key to uh, one of his Bitcoin addresses. And he claims that the file was encrypted. uh, So the hacker didn't uh, wasn't able to steal the Bitcoins but they were able to take the encrypted file and delete it from his computer. So he no longer has access to the Bitcoins that are at that address. And it's uh, 2.5 or two, more than $2 billion, I think, of worth of Bitcoins uh, that are there. And he he's filing this case uh, claiming that the, the core developers of Bitcoin have a duty to uh, give him back access to the Bitcoins that he lost. And... Um, well, well, what they're saying is that it's impossible that you can't do that, that it breaks the rules of Bitcoin. And uh, he's saying that, uh, no, the, uh, the the developers have the power to add extra code to the Bitcoin software and they can uh, implement a rule that transfers those Bitcoins back to him. And uh, that would be a very serious change to the way that Bitcoin works. But he's claiming that they do have the power to do it. And he's claiming that they have the duty to do it. And the the case was dismissed last year, uh, but he appealed and uh, the appeals court judges have uh, ruled that the case can go ahead. So it's going to go ahead next year. And if it goes ahead and if he wins, then there will be very serious consequences for Bitcoin. I'm glad you brought that up because I'm going through like a similar situation with with Binance before they turned in the before they opened Binance US. I had like a ton of coins with Tron and literally like hundreds of thousands of coins and I can't, I can't access it. And it kind of pissed me off. I was just like, why, why can't I have it? And they're like, well, you have to transfer to your U S account. And then the U S some of the U S accounts don't have, have the um, Tron on there. And I was like, I can't even transfer this. I was like, but, and then they locked me out of my account. So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that's awful i mean it sounds like something that it could be done uh through legal means you could go you could get that back through binance without having to kind of fork the blockchain or change the rules of the protocols but uh yeah very frustrating if you have assets that you can't get back i really do hope this guy wins 
So, and he will change a lot of things and hopefully people will be able to have access to all the cryptocurrencies they lost. And Binance was just one of them. And there was also um, another exchange. I forgot the name of it. Bitrix? Bit, Bit, Bitrix. Yeah. 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 So they shut my down. They shut my account down on that. And I was like, why didn't you be able to access any of my cryptos? But what effect would would it have on Bitcoin if he wins in this case? So, uh, well, if if he wins and he and the court orders the Bitcoin developers to add this rule, add, to basically change the code so that it um, transfers the coins from uh, that address that he can't access or he claims he can't access to an address that he can access, that would be um, it would be a, a a transaction that happened without the owner of the coins actually signing using the private key to transfer the coins. So it wouldn't be a legitimate transaction. Uh, viewed from the current rules of the system, it would be basically a violation of the rules, and that would mean that all of the existing software would reject uh, that transaction as invalid. And uh, what what he's trying to do is to get the core developers to release a version of the software that would treat it as valid. So what would happen almost inevitably would be that uh, the Bitcoin community would rebel because they don't like the idea of uh, governments controlling Bitcoin and being able to seize Bitcoin from one address and send it to another address. So uh, what would happen is that Bitcoin would split into two coins. Uh, there would be the, the court-ordered version of Bitcoin, which would be one, one coin, and then there would be the rebels who would say, we're not going to use this software, we don't, you can't force us to use software that we don't want to use, and we like the original Bitcoin, and they would uh, basically fork, so the, the, there would become two coins, there would be kind of confiscatable Bitcoin, and then there would be uh, kind of purists, they would have a pure Bitcoin, which couldn't be seized by a court order, and the what would probably happen would be that the people developing the uh, the pure Bitcoin would be anonymous so that they couldn't be served with court orders like uh, what Wright is doing. And this would mean that um, you would have basically, yeah, you would have these two coins and uh, it's not, well, yeah, it, it would be then um, a money fight of some kind to, to see which one would, uh, would actually dominate in the market. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, if Bitcoin splits into two coins, which one would it take a massive market cap or is it too, it, it just, we, people still don't know yet. Uh, that's, that's a good question. So um, what, what are the, so there are a lot of people who have a lot of Bitcoin and a lot of Bitcoins that they are uh, very uh, pro Bitcoin. They're very, uh, they're, they've adopted the philosophy and they're very committed to the philosophy of Bitcoin. And they believe that uh, Bitcoin should be free from government control. And uh, if the if the coin split, uh, if Bitcoin splits into two coins, they would get uh, equal amounts of both coins. And what they would try to do would be they would probably sell all of their confiscatable bitcoins and trade them for uh, for pure bitcoins. And that would push down the price of confiscatable bitcoin and push up the price of pure bitcoin. So those would be like an attack of the whales who have the massive amounts of bitcoin. So. That's something that's likely to happen, and that would tend to make uh, the pure Bitcoin uh, kind of win and take most of the market cap. But at the same time, uh, businesses that are currently owed Bitcoins uh, and any debts that are denominated in Bitcoin, the court would rule that they have to accept the uh, the confiscatable version of Bitcoin because they would say, uh, did we regard these Bitcoins as Craig Wright's property and you have to 
basically use a version of Bitcoin that recognizes that this is his property. And so that means that all of the major businesses in the world, what's currently called Bitcoin would have to be this version. And uh, this, the, the other uh, coin, a pure Bitcoin, that would have to start off as a new coin. It wouldn't be listed on any exchanges. They would have to apply to get listed on exchanges and it would be kind of a, a slow start kind of starting from the beginning. So um, yeah, it, there are two kind of powerful forces. Uh, it's not clear which one would win. And uh, also, if Craig Wright has a whole lot of Bitcoins that he could uh, use to oppose the other whales, then possibly the whale attack wouldn't wouldn't succeed in making pure Bitcoin the more expensive coin. So, yeah, there are things that we don't know, but uh, those are kind of the two major forces that will be at work, I think. How come, I'm glad you brought up government, how come the government hasn't shut down Bitcoin yet or like re banned it? Altogether, uh, yeah, they they can't. It's kind of it's been designed so that it's very difficult to ban. Uh, you can't stop people from running software on their home computers, and uh, so if you wanted to ban Bitcoin, you would have to basically shut down the internet. That's the only way to actually stop it, because anybody you know running any device could run some whatever software they want on it, and there's no way to stop that. Okay, so do you think Bitcoin will remain king, or eventually the government will find another? coin to replace it when they go to digital assets uh i think that's that's well so if if there are these central bank digital currencies then they could have a larger market cap than bitcoin just because there's more the value of all the dollars in existence is bigger than the value of all the bitcoins in existence so if all the dollars in existence were made digital then there would be a digital currency with a larger market cap than bitcoin um but in terms of, yeah, I don't think the governments are going to pick a different coin and uh, try to promote it so that it wins in the marketplace. I, I don't think that the, the government is kind of going to interfere with the marketplace that way. Mm -hmm. But yeah, digital a digital dollar or digital euro, uh, they would have a larger market cap than Bitcoin. Is Ireland working on uh, a digital a digital asset? Uh, the Irish Central Bank, I don't, they're they're participating. So the Irish Central Bank is part of this euro system. The, does the European Central Bank? And this is owned by uh, the central banks in all of the different Eurozone countries. And what, uh, what the European Central Bank is working on a digital currency, or they're investigating, they're doing research projects, and they'll probably start pilot schemes and so on. And I'm sure the Irish Central Bank is participating in that. But I don't think the Irish Central Bank would be leading the, leading the way. They would be kind of following what's happening in the EU. Cool, cool. Cool deal. Yeah, and I think the EU will create their own, for sure. Is uh going back to Craig Wright, is he likely to win this case? Do you know? Uh well, um until yesterday I thought he was going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm afraid that uh yeah, I saw um I saw what he's done recently, just a few days ago. He he launched uh or he announced that his own version of Bitcoin, Bitcoin SV, that he's implementing something called a blacklist manager. And mm -hmm. this is this is uh a piece of like an, an additional piece of code in the software and what it would do is it would have um a list of keys of recognized authorities uh so and the court could uh, order one of these authorities to to sign a message saying that um that a certain address has been frozen and this would mean that the uh, the miners would receive this uh, message uh, and they would 
check the signature, they would see that this is a valid signature. It must have come from a court order. And then they would stop uh, processing transactions that send uh, Bitcoins from that address or Bitcoin SV from that address. So uh, what he's done is he has given, he's, he's going to give the courts the ability to freeze Bitcoin SV. So he's writing the code in so that the court can issue a court order and freeze Bitcoin SV. Mm -hmm. And then what he's going to do is he's going to ask the court to freeze his Bitcoin SV at the address where he says uh, the hackers you know, stole the, the private key. He's going to say this is at risk of uh, being it's vulnerable to theft by hackers because the hackers have the, the encrypted version of the private key. And maybe they could decrypt it later. Where some, you know at some point. And if they do that, then they would be able to take the coins. So what he's saying is these, these coins are vulnerable and I need the court to freeze these uh, bit, the Bitcoin SV at this address. And he's going to tell, he's going to show the court how to do that. He's written the software to allow them to do that. And he's mm -hmm. going to bring the court through the steps that they need to follow in order to freeze the Bitcoins, uh, the Bitcoin SV at that address. And I think what, what the court has already said is that, or the appeals court, uh, the the in the judges, the there were three judges, and they wrote um, they wrote a, a summary, and in in their uh, summary they said that uh, it's unacceptable for cryptocurrencies to remain beyond the law, and uh, so what he's doing is he's showing the court how to freeze uh, Bitcoin SV, and uh, and he's he's going to make it very easy for them, and uh, he's going to ask them to do it. So once they've done it, and they, they probably will do it because he's saying, just freeze mine. He's not asking for anybody else's uh, Bitcoin SV to be frozen. He's saying, freeze mine because it's at risk. So uh, I think the court is likely to do it. The court wants to uh, be able to do, they want the law to be able to apply to Bitcoins so that the, the court is going to be motivated to cooperate with him. The court is probably going to agree to seize or to freeze his uh, his Bitcoin SV at that address. And that means that they're going to go through the process of actually issuing a court order and freezing uh, the Bitcoins on the chain. And once they've done that, then the court will understand how to do it. They'll understand what the procedure would be to freeze Bitcoins or to freeze any other cryptocurrency. So um, I think that he's likely to achieve that. He's likely to get the court to understand how to freeze Bitcoins, not just Bitcoin SV, but he they would be able to freeze Bitcoins by instructing the uh, the developers of Bitcoin to, to add a blacklist manager. And so um, basically I think he has a high likelihood of achieving that, uh, but that, that wouldn't mean that he would get the, the $2 billion or the, that address. I, I don't think he would get the money. But it's possible that later on he might get the money, but I don't think that that's what he's going for right now. And I don't think he really cares about the money. What he wants to do is to bring Bitcoin under the control of the law. So I think that he is very likely to succeed at getting the judges to understand how to freeze Bitcoins. And the judges have already said that it's unacceptable for cryptocurrency to be, on, to be beyond the law. So I think he has a very good chance of getting the judge to say that uh, the Bitcoin core developers must add this blacklist manager into Bitcoin. And uh, if that happens, it, it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be moving the funds from one address to another. It would just be freezing them at that address. So it wouldn't be breaking the old rules of the system. It wouldn't be, uh, if, if it was actually transferred to another address, that would cause a hard fork. It would cause the coin to split into two. But if it's just freezing 
the coins, that can be done with what's called a soft fork. You don't break the old rules, instead you add a new rule. And this new rule would be uh, don't accept transactions coming, you know, take, sending Bitcoins from this address. So that can be done without causing the fork or without causing the, the uh, Bitcoin to split into two. And uh, the, the argument of the, uh, of the Bitcoin developers has been so far, uh, we can't comply with this order because it would cause a hard fork. And uh, you know, that's not what the court wants. So what, what Wright is doing is he's saying it, it doesn't need to be a hard fork. It can be done with a soft fork. You don't need to have a, the coin splitting into two. You can just uh, implement this freezing feature. So it wouldn't be taking the coins and moving them, just freezing them. And uh, I think that it's, it's very likely that the court will uh, look very favorably on this. And also, uh, he, insofar, if, if he's telling the truth about the hackers coming in and taking his private key, if that's true, then uh, his argument that the developers have a duty to protect his funds and that the court has a duty to protect his, his funds, uh, I think the court is going to agree with that. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, so I, I think he's, not, he's probably not going to win in the sense of getting the money but he probably is going to succeed at uh, giving courts the power to freeze Bitcoins, not, not to confiscate and take, move to a different address, not to take it, but just to freeze it at the address that, it, that it's at. And uh, yeah, that would be, it wouldn't be just Bitcoin that would be affected by this. It would be every cryptocurrency because if a court realizes that, if the courts realize that they can tell the developers to add this blacklist feature mm -hmm. and then blacklist a specific address based on a court order, then, uh, basically, courts are courts are going to want to do that. They're they're not going to say, you know, we're Bitcoin purists and we don't like this. The courts are going to say we want uh, all cryptocurrencies to be under the control of the law. So they would do the same thing with Ethereum. If somebody if somebody's Ethereum was stolen, a court case could be brought and uh, the court could rule you have to add a blacklist manager to Ethereum and you have to freeze these funds. So um, yeah, I, I think that uh, he has a good chance of winning but not getting the money. Dude, I'm glad you I'm glad you you explained all that very well because we do we do need a lot more transparency with cryptocurrencies and and like stopping to like money laundering and doing doing shady things with money. So that's that's good that the government's getting involved and that that the developers are gonna if they if he does win, the developers will start putting the blacklist. Now, this dude, Craig, he sounds like a Satoshi Nakamoto. If he if he is, why why has he came out with it? Well, he's he's claimed to be Satoshi Nakamoto a lot of times, um, but uh, yeah, it was uh, most of the community didn't believe that he was uh, Satoshi Nakamoto, and um, uh, you know it's hard to. So the thing is that whether he is or not, it's it's hard to say. I mean, there's evidence that he is, and there's evidence that he isn't. So, like, I mean, the, the, ev the strongest evidence that he isn't was that he seems to be using deception. And uh, I don't remember Satoshi ever using deception. So, uh, but I've never seen Satoshi in a fight. <laughs> so it's possible that, uh, you know, he is Satoshi and he's just apparently changed personality because he's now in a fight. Um, but that's uh, one thing. But also there are other things like he published a list of um, a list of Bitcoin addresses that from very the very earliest days of the blockchain. 
and uh, he said that they belonged to him. Uh, but uh, then the owners, the actual owners of those addresses published uh, signed messages from those addresses saying that uh, Craig Wright is a liar and a fraud. And there were <laughs> h- hundreds of these people uh, suddenly turned up and said, no, that's not your address. That's mine. And here I can prove it. And so, uh, you know, it, so it looks like he is kind of using some kind of deception. Also, he doesn't seem to have access to the private keys to the very earliest Bitcoin blocks, which is something you would expect Satoshi to have. Um, and he's he doesn't seem to be able to move the Bitcoin. Like the, the first the first million Bitcoins, I think that they were mined by Satoshi, and uh, he doesn't seem to have access to those. So those are you know reasons to think that he's probably not Satoshi. It's kind of evidence that he's just pretending to be Satoshi. But on the other hand, there's kind of the evidence that suggesting that he might be Satoshi. The, one of the things is that uh, the last message that Satoshi sent uh, in public was uh, he he. he he published a message that said, uh, I am not Dorian Nakamoto. There was, um, if you remember, there was a Japanese gentleman called Dorian Nakamoto, and mm-hmm. there was a journalist who came and said, you're Satoshi Nakamoto, and he was surprised and didn't know what she was talking about. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, there was a big media circus about it. But And then uh, when that happened, the, the actual Satoshi posted a message saying, I am not Dorian Nakamoto. Now, uh, if Satoshi is still alive and if he's paying attention, then that means that he's seeing what's going on now with Craig Wright. He's seeing that Craig Wright is claiming to be Satoshi. He's seeing that Craig Wright is uh, basically uh, has a good chance of changing the future of Bitcoin forever and uh, basically bringing all cryptocurrencies under the law. Uh, If Satoshi is not Craig Wright, you would expect him to be able to post a message saying, I am not Craig Wright. And that hasn't happened. So the fact that that hasn't happened uh, is some evidence that he is Satoshi. It doesn't prove it but it's evidence in favor of that. And also uh, he has this single-minded obsession with Bitcoin that, uh, and he has this rage uh, at the mm-hmm. existing developers that, uh, you know, if he's not Satoshi, it's hard to explain why somebody would be so devoted to this and would be so enraged. Uh, he's behaving as exactly the way that you would expect Satoshi to behave if the power over Bitcoin was taken away by another group and he was called a scammer and ostracized and so on. So, um, you know, there, there are basically there's evidence for and against it. And we don't have proof either way. Everybody just has to look at the evidence and make their own decision. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, my assumption is, I think, I think Natoshi, I think he works for the government. I, I don't know what government, but like they probably found out who he was and they just like, all right, boop, you work for us now and we're just going to keep it hush. <laughs> It, it seems as though he's uh, he's basically yeah he's pro government and he's he seems to be pro certainly pro law but also uh, so I mean it's one thing to say that uh, everything should be brought under the control of the law everything should be lawful but in in his uh, in his blacklist manager that he, he he proposed and he outlined the he he outlined how it was going to work uh, the idea is that uh, there needs to be a, a machine readable message that it, that uh, informs the network that there was a court order and it has to be accompanied by a digital signature that proves that it was a court order and it came from a legitimate authority. So he he understands that the courts are not technically sophisticated enough to apply the digital signature themselves and to construct this message themselves. So what he said is that the court could use a consortium of banks and law firms to uh, you know, have the expertise necessary to create this message that can be sent, uh, so on. So that means that the power to the the power to apply these digital signatures that would freeze bitcoins 
would be given to uh, law firms and banks. <laughs> yeah. And uh, those are those are basically the enemies. Of, well, not law firms, but banks specifically are kind of the enemies of the, the Bitcoin community. That, so saying, uh, now I'm going to give banks the ability to freeze Bitcoins, that doesn't seem, that seems completely contrary to the entire philosophy of most Bitcoiners. So uh, yeah, it, it looks like he is basically working for uh, the opposite side to uh you know to the the people who are currently uh you know the main bitcoiners wow wow so how can people follow up on this or keep in touch with the news uh, that's coming out yeah I, so what i do is every now and then i just type craig right <laughs> into <laughs> google and just uh, just look at the latest news stories and uh, whenever there's a news news story it's uh it's usually quite interesting. I, I, usually he loses his cases. He's lost a lot of cases. Uh, I think he, he recently claimed that um, uh, Bitcoin Cash, all of the forks of Bitcoin were violating his copyright because they had uh, using variants of his software, but uh, the court uh, rejected that. I mean, it, it's unrealistic to, to stop people from modifying your software. Also the, the license that he issued the software under, uh, uh, this is the MIT license. It allows people to take the software, modify it and run their own version of it. So um, yeah, he, he, tends to, he, he tends to lose a lot of his cases, but uh, I think this one that he has right now uh, is the big one. And um, I think he's prepared very carefully. Uh, this The story about uh, somebody hacking into his computer and taking an encrypted version of his private key, that is just so absolutely perfect for bringing this case. It's very hard to imagine a case that he could bring that would allow him to explain to the judge that you know, this is how to seize Bitcoins. This is the code that needs to be added. And this is how you do it. And to actually step them through the process and get them to do it once. Uh, it's very hard to come up with uh, a scenario in which he could uh, get the judges to do that. But uh, so this case that he's bringing, it looks like it's been very, very carefully tailored to uh, to bring to bring this. Like the, the set of circumstances that he's alleging are very unlikely to have occurred to him and just to him when he is the person who wants to bring exactly this case. So, um, but that doesn't mean that he's lying about being hacked. Um, if, if it was me and I wanted to bring, to bring this case, uh, what, what I would do is I would, uh, I would deliberately open a vulnerability in my own computer. And then I would go to a hacker forum and I would say, uh, you know the, these DEFCON conferences that the hackers go to. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I would I would say uh, I'll I'll pay for the next DEFCON conference, all the expenses for everybody if somebody hacks into my computer and deletes this file. <laughs> and uh, yeah. and then and then he then they, somebody would do it, and then he could go to the court and say, yes, somebody hacked into my computer and deleted that file, and he wouldn't be lying. <laughs> there you go, there you go, man. We're running short on time. It's super. I'm having a super good time talking to you and chatting to you, and you're throwing some good nuggets. Before we come to a close, is there anything you felt like we didn't go over that you want to share real quickly? Um, I think, I think actually that covers everything. I think we managed to cover it all pretty well. Cool deal, man. And one last question, what's next for you? Oh, so yeah, I'm working on my own project at Seasonal Tokens. So these are mineable tokens. They're on Ethereum and, um, it's if anybody wants to know about it, they can go to our website, seasonaltokens.org. There are four coins and uh, or four tokens. They're mineable using proof of work. 
and they're similar to Bitcoin, but uh, they have a seasonality. So uh, right now, summer tokens are the cheapest and the most plentiful. But on the 6th of March, there's going to be a halving. The rate of summer will get cut in half and then summer will be produced at the slowest rate and it will gradually become the most expensive and autumn will be the cheapest token. So we have an era of abundant summer tokens right now. Then there'll be an era of abundant autumn and then winter and spring and it will go through this cycle. And you can trade the tokens for one another using this uh, based on their seasonality and accumulate tokens over time. So uh, that's basically the idea. Uh, and at the same time, they, they're like Bitcoin. They get more difficult to obtain as time goes on. So uh, that means that people and investors in the future are not going to be able to buy as many tokens at low prices as people can today, which is why we can expect it to be a good investment. Wow, you heard it, people. Make sure you get your um, season tokens. And thanks again, dude. It's a pleasure and honor. And I wish you the best in your endeavors. And I hope to see you in the future and catch up and um, see where you're at. Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right, man. Take it easy. Oh, and all those links will be in the description down below. So make sure you check them out. Deuces. Did you know that podcasts are a great way to grow your personal and business brand voice? Here's a secret. We all want to feel connected to brands we buy from. What a better way to humanize a brand than through sharing your story on a podcast. Kidcaster is a podcast booking agency that specializes in developing real human connection through podcast appearances. If you are an expert in your field, have a unique story to share, or an interesting point of view, it's time to explore the world of podcasting with Kitcaster. You can expect a completely customized service from our staff of ex communication experts. Kitcaster is your secret weapon in podcasting for business. Your audience is waiting to hear from you. Go to kitcaster.com slash crypto kid to apply your special offer for friends of this podcast. The link will also be in the description down below. And happy podcasting.